0: back to the forever broken podcast where we're going to ask the hard question like who the fucks watching me now and are vodka prices going to jump here in the near future I'm Derek Thompson with me as always is Gabriel Brew Hey how's it going everyone and TJ Davidson
1: Hey what's up guys
0: and I have the special uh kind of benefit here i get to introduce tonight's guest my brother justin thompson uh, who's been a firefighter for god i think like two fucking decades now and uh 15 years now so that's pretty cool uh so justin how about you go ahead and introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself
2: uh yeah so uh justin thompson um been a career firefighter with north platte fire department for uh this will be year 15 heading into i think 16 and i don't know how the math works out exactly um did some uh volunteer time before that not much uh we're emt we run the the als units in town um have been doing that for 15 years as well hazmat technician um and then uh just hang out with family um got four wonderful kids they test me every day uh, my wonderful wife uh, I do have a bit of a Matt Foley story. I am divorced uh, and I do live in a van down by the river. Uh, so uh, I get to take on plenty. Uh, we keep ourselves busy. Uh, our department's call volume continues to rise. Um, we're enjoying things, but we're seeing more and more of the, the burnout that uh, healthcare across the nation has felt over the last two years anyway. So I uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, can't wait to see where this poop uh, train runs down to, um, and hopefully we can answer some tough questions and figure some things out for people.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, we we're happy to have you on here, Justin. Um, so let's kick it off real quick and just get into the nitty gritty with you here real quick. Um, you're talking about how the EMS and the and like the medical side of firefighting. Um, uh, you guys are losing numbers and, and it's getting kind of difficult and it's hard to, hard to deal with. Uh, what are your coping mechanisms to help keep you running for 15 years, man?
2: <laughs> well, um, for, gosh, 12 years fighting. Um, I, was, I, got a, I had the opportunity to, to do some MMA, MMA fighting. It's an amateur on the side. Uh, something about getting punched in the face brings joy to my soul. Um, So I've I've been able to do that working out as a whole Um, drinking uh, was a big one for many years Um, when I was going through uh, my divorce, what, nine years ago, uh, probably nine, 10 years ago, drinking was a big one. Um, I've had to work on that process and that that's still something we see is kind of the go to. I, I think as men. Uh, And I I talk a lot about men's culture and deal with a lot of men's group work. I don't like to speak to how women cope, but men, that's what we're told to do. Drink, sit down, shut up, fuck up, man up. Yeah, we've said this on the show a lot. Drink, bury it, and move the fuck on. Yep, and and in a first responder world, much like uh, a military background or a police department background, there's there's a mentality that's been ingrained over years and years and years to try to out-macho the next guy. Uh, we can't admit when we're broken. We can't admit when we're hurt. Uh, so that's something I've had to learn how to do. Um, I've had the pleasure of being tortured in men's work. Uh, my brother-in-law is a pastor with uh, Flatirons Community Church out in Colorado. And I've had the opportunity to take Derek down these roads with me. Um, I had to learn what emotions were. So one of the coping mechanisms I had I had to learn was figuring out what my emotions were. Why am I angry? What is what is this thing I'm feeling inside of me that's not normal? So that's actually how I cope: is kind of enjoying it. talking to guys like you, um, coming in and having conversations. I don't have any answers to anything, but man, I like to ask questions. Um, so. One of the things that I do with my family, coming home, being with my kids, and I think you guys know what it is, there's peace in uh, I can't imagine a world without my kids. But if I'm broken or I come home from a bad day, we have, you run bad calls. That's part of the gig, right? You see horrible things and you can come home and, and I heard uh, Brandon Hirata. He was talking about Cut the door, right? Yep. When I walk through that door, I compartmentalize it, and I—I was—I'm king of that. Uh, I'll tell you, Derek knows very well. If you guys want to have a contest of how much crap I can shove in the closet before it falls apart, I'm gonna win
0: every time. Yeah, if we're trying to shove fifty pounds of shit and do a ten-pound sack, you
2: got, you got it. Yep. So when we, when I come home and I and I try to separate those things or I try to compartmentalize, all I'm doing is in my kids' room and just put some stuff in the closet put stuff in the closet but if I never deal with it or I can't I don't have the option to have the conversation or I don't have the ability to have the conversation eventually that's going to fall out on my kids Eventually they're going to be the ones that get hurt my wife's gonna be the one that gets hurt because it's we're, we're great at it men are great at it but we can't compartment my lives forever because then eventually you put yourself in the closet and it, your whole family's on the outside and you're just sitting in your room full of crap. So, learning learning those emotions um, was one of the big things I had to learn. Too. Um, we call them stay law emotions, or uh, let's go stay law, um or Uh Sad, angry, loving, excited, happy, scared. Six emotions um, that we, we started processing, for, and we got tied in with what's called the Crucible Project, or now it's called Liminal Works. Um, no, I didn't realize it changed. that. kind of. Um, so, my boy, uh, one of the greatest human beings, uh, Ginger Gandalf out there, Chris Mosier, um, with guy. Flatirons, Irons. They've started a new project, LiminalWorks dot com, I believe it is. For anybody out there who hears this, if you're looking for something, connect with those people. They 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 may they may save your life. Yeah, go they, ahead, they Justin. Uh, send us that
0: link, and we'll put drop it into the uh, information part of the podcast
2: work i will figure out how to do that um so yeah that's those are the things i kind of do to to cope i love i love being at the gym i just got done tonight i may not walk tomorrow um learning i i'm just getting back from injury. squatting today was it's so stupid i don't know why people do it uh so, so. because it's the greatest feeling on earth to be honest it is it really is so that's that's kind of how i deal with things um now and and then we're, we're trying to figure out what's next in that, how that looks.
1: So just a minute ago when you said um, that you guys are always trying to out-macho each other because that's just kind of what guys do, especially in, you know, kind of job fields and the shit that we choose to do. What do you think is um, – is it hard to keep, like, a healthy balance because you have to have confidence, especially doing what you do just to run into a fire or, you know, going on to any scene where something – traumatic has happened you have to be confident in yourself and your abilities or you might lose it all together how do you keep a healthy balance between being just having enough confidence and not being too trying to be too macho and stuff
2: um so and that's that's an incredible game that's being played in the fire church right now um i i had to learn my confidence doesn't come from my actions. My confidence has to come from somewhere rooted below all the other crap, all the other machismo. I'll put on a show. Yeah, I look, I got tattoos. I got muscles. I'll pull the shit. I'll, I'll run into a burning building. I'll do whatever. It's all crap. So I had no confidence at all in anything I did when I didn't have something below that. Um, so now the game, like you said, we, we're playing this, what what's enough? Is it enough? Am I not doing enough? Um, and and this will kind of tie into the whole initiative, the the conversations being had. Um, March 2004, the fire service sat back and said, hey, we got a problem. We're killing guys uh, over 100 a year in line of duty fires, line of duty accidents, things like that. We got it. We have to step into this. And they started the life safety initiatives. And what came out of that was that everyone goes home that's the motto of the fire service, right? Well, where where that ends up, and I think looking at the looking at numbers, the most recent ones, there's there's a white paper that was written, and then the NFPA um, and the CDC had some numbers. 2017, we had 103 line of duty deaths in the fire service. That's cardiac arrest, things like that on the fire scene. but if you dig deeper into it on our end, we're not seeing. 13, 12 interior firefighting deaths. Um, because we have, we've got this weird balance of culture right now where it's, hey, we we have to do our risk benefit analysis and we're not going to commit unless we're 100% sure everybody's going to be safe. That's some people's view of it. And then there's the aggressive view. And I, I tend to lean more towards this view of when you guys, Look at your families. And I think it was uh, uh, Chief Salka that said it. I don't want the guy who's like, hey, well, risk-benefit analysis says there's some fire there. We can't go in. I want the craziest son of a gun you got who's going to go in. If that's my kid, I want the lunatic on your department to go get them. Now, we have to find that balance. and Where does that confidence come from when I'm, I, I don't care about being macho anymore? It comes from education, training. And then just finally being done with my own bullshit and just realizing like, no matter what I put out to everybody else, they're not going to, they're not going to fill me. My cup's not going to get filled from everybody else. My cup can get filled from one place. Right. I fill my cup from my family. I fill my cup from my friends. I fill those things. But if, if I'm really trying to chase after the right things, the only way I'm going to get my cup filled is chasing God, chasing Jesus, trying to figure out that life. And again, I've been fortunate to have people in my life step into those roles um, and, and ask me hard questions and really chase after that with me. I fail at it every day. But my confidence to just do what I want to do, that's where I got it from. I don't know where other guys get it from. For some guys, it's, it's bravado. It's balls. It's, it's a story they can tell. For me, it, it's, it's, it's from somewhere else. I I was going to
0: say, I think a lot of the self-worth that we have kind of comes from our, I guess, raising and how, and I don't don't mean necessarily parents in general, but just the culture that we grow up in. I think that was very much Mm -hmm. originally our culture was that, you know, you shut up and you deal with it, and that's part of the generation we're in now is where we're trying to change that and let men especially know that it's okay to have feelings and we need to be more open about those feelings. We need to talk about it and we need to do that shit instead of just sitting there locking it up, bottling it up, drinking booze to shove it down. We need to actually be open about it. Like, I, I, I just think mm-hmm. that's, I think it's a tremendous thing to say that we're surrounded and we grow up to be our culture at the
2: time. Yeah. You guys can speak to it as much as anybody and, and take what it was when something bad happens what's the first thing the guy next to you would say whether he was your your commanding officer or whether he's the the guy right next to you suck it up suck it up right no matter how bad the trauma was whether it was to you or it was something you've done or just something you've seen the the going answer has been and continues to be suck it up Um, battalion chief steve Kahn. Uh, he's out in Ohio. I sat through a, a Mayday training today, just trying to figure out um, rapid intervention teams, how to be proactive. Because again, we, we suck at these things. We, we're, we're not prepared enough. We'll never be prepared enough for something that's going to kill you. You can train all day. We're still going to screw it up. So I wanted to see some different perspective. And he was talking, he was in a Mayday situation. And I want to say it was about 2003, 2004. And he said, you know, we listen to the tape and the audio and you hear all the excitement, you hear all this fear, you hear all these things. And then he said, afterwards, we're not doing enough to take care of guys. And it piqued my interest. Because I, I, I don't understand, like afterwards, you mean, you? they pulled you out and put you right back on the call? He said, no, afterwards, after that happened, I thought I was going to lose my life. The guy's next to me said, hey, you're not dead. You're fine. Get over it. And he said that was that was a moral injury to me. My PTSD part of it comes from that moral wound that happened. And if we spread that out into more of what we do in fire and EMS, every time I've, I've been a part of calls where you sit down with the, the guys next to you, the guys above you, and you say, "Man, this one this one got me. I'm I'm screwed up right now." And their first answer is, "I have speakers. Hey, I've been through worse. I don't get this stop. I've I've been that guy that says that. I've heard it and I've been told it. Right. So I'm not innocent in any of this. So I'm, I'm just as guilty of it. But that we all signed a, a contract with our, our oath or with our pledge. And the guys next to us made the same promise. I'm gonna take care of you no matter what. So when you step out of that and all of a sudden the guy next to you says, Shut up get over it you get hurt because hey man you're not taking care of it. we're not taking care of our brothers and our sisters the way we said we were going to. so we have to start looking at the the old school mentality to call it that that generation before us and my generation I'm I'm old now that we have to recognize like we're hurting ourselves by not accepting the fact that hey this job hurts. This stuff sucks. We aren't meant to see this. And from no matter how big or small it is, you know, we, we tell our, our cadets and our firefighters that are young, hey, when you go on a call, that person for them, this is the emergency of their life. Even if it's the fourth time you see them this week, today's the day. This is the worst moment of their life. And you need to treat them like you would your grandma. Love them. They may only need an ear. And then we turn around and go back to the station and say, Shut up. Go being a baby. You're fine. Right? And and, and Derek, you've you've seen it. How do we how do we get better in that? And what are we looking at? So what what's the loss? What's the what's the risk? I think we're all Guys. guilty of it. I mean Yeah.
0: You know, I I I've said it a million times. I you know, and I still probably will depending on how clearly i'm looking at things at the moment but you know it's one of those things that like you said it's built into us um so i guess oh before i forget a uh gabe's as old as you so you're not the only old one you're still Uh, old we're crushing it dude
3: we're crushing it yeah i just want to put it out there that we're not old justin we're well seasoned and these two just can shut up
2: I am aging like two percent milk in the Phoenix desert, man. And I'm aging like hey. whole milk, so I, I get it. Uh, I got
3: I got clumps myself. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We're good.
2: <laughs> you just get it. cottage but. cheese is just as good. Yeah. Hey man, listen, makes good lasagna. Yeah, I'm That's what i Everything. Um, and then
0: the uh, second thing that I was going to point out here, um, which clearly I've forgotten because I'm trying to put too many words to this. Uh, Gosh darn it! I got nothing.
3: If you lost it, I got one. I got one for you, Justin. Yeah, you right, talked about it. you talk about how like you go on the call and that you know you you confide in a brother, you confide in a fellow firefighter, or EMS. That that one was hard for you and it's messing with you, and they tell you to buck it up. Um, I think that's a problem not only because it messes with you on an emotional level and it makes it feel like you don't have the support but i think it messes up your unit or your team because now you're going to start separating from that person because they're not going to support you through a tough time and you're going to cause a divide within your own with your own faction pretty much you know what i mean like
2: yeah, yeah you start to lose trust with each other um, exactly we we we've, we've seen it and and it it happens we're we're lucky enough we're a small department so we all know each other so well but when when we see it, it happens in in little little moments where you hear something like that, and guys kind of separate and they step back. And say, Well, I'm not going to talk to that guy anymore about those things. But you still have to work every day, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I the think other it, thing... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so so so, how do we address that? What what what's going on within for us? What we're trying to do for it? One um, of the best dudes craziest lunatic favorite human being on the planet kind of guy Jeremy Condon uh, was one of our medics um, and and the, there's two things that I'll, that I'll kind of touch on about what he's done and what he did to motivate change for us for us to look at it because he connected with guys he was he was so good at being a human that the rest of us who aren't good at it had to sit back and go wait a minute but he came in to the fire service with Trump. He has a past and it was, it was said like, Hey, he, he, he was, he had problems before he got here. This job made it worse. But again, that's every single one of us. I don't know a whole lot of human beings that, that sign up willingly to do stupid stuff like this. So witness what we witnessed because they had a great childhood they their normal functioning. Like they, there's things that we all bring in and we've never addressed them, right? So we have to, when a guy comes in, we have to be able to accept his flaws, accept his past and help him figure that out. And, and again, I'll point back to the Liminal Works Crucible Project, whatever whatever you guys chase after. We have results down here. But way up here or way back here, five, six, three, four, ten, 10, whatever it was, things happened in your life that are causing this down here. And we have to, whether it's through counseling or through good friends or whatever, we have to start figuring this out as men. Um, right. I've, I've heard and seen a million stories that are the exact same of men. Uh, this happened to me when I was eight years old. This happened when I was six years old. My my dad disconnected from me, whatever it was, and it screwed everything up. And now they're now they're in the military, they're a cop or they're a firefighter. Like they're all right. they got screwed up somewhere. So now they're trying to re-earn that macho level that they lost back here. Um, but, but Jeremy's able to step into that. He taught us everything. He taught us so much about mental health, and he, I love him so much that when he when he had enough and he stepped away, it broke my heart because it, I want to save him. We all want to save him. The guy is, he's a one in a million human being, one of the best paramedics on the planet. I have no doubt about it. But before he left, he said, hey, we have the bad call. What are we going to do? So he put in a, a protocol. Here's how we need to start discussing this. We have a hot wash where right afterwards we sit down. We, it's your after action report. But immediately, we're in the app. Hey, was this a bad one? Hey. Call the call the BC, call the captain, call whoever's in charge, tell them we're out of service for 10 minutes. We gotta get our crap together. And then we need to really evaluate where we're at. Where are we at mentally. Hey, I know this one may not bother you, but I did this or I saw this and that bothers me. Do I need to step away from the job? Am I gonna be able to step into the next call? So there's now a conversation of how do we can we tag in and tag out? Can I have my, my partners who aren't on shift that day, can I put out a page say, hey man, our guys are hurting right now. Can you guys come in and fill in for them? Can you, can you cover them for an hour, two hours, 12 hours, whatever it is. So we actually start to take care of each other. And the conversation is happening. Never thought it would. It's incredible that it's happening. And it's because, of, it's because of guys like Jeremy who who stepped in and said, hey, I don't care if I look weak to, to the next guy. I'm stronger than all of you. But, but we have to fix this because I'm broken. And I can remember the first time I realized this was a thing in the fire service. You don't get told that. Like our dad was the fire service our whole life. We chased after him. He was the guy we wanted to be. And it never it never was, hey, guys, I had a crappy day and I'm really screwed up and I need a minute. Or I had a call and we were kind of screwy. Like you he never heard that out of him. So it was no. up next call. I don't think we ever heard him say so, anything about work. Uh, he said stuff about work. It was always the funny stuff. It was always the what him and Butch were doing. Or oh, yeah. But I meant, yeah, I all the like calls. Inappropriate we, never, things. we never heard about <laughs> the actual work. No. I mean, some of the calls were funny ones. Again, but the, yeah, when was, you're yeah, never... elbows deep in a person. Yeah. And and that's because he wanted to keep us out of it. But when I got on, I was, I can't remember, not that long on, probably less than a year. Um, I had to go do CPR and I got and he was one of the family closest friends right and um get done we find out who he is i realized what it is and it devastated me it devastated me because i knew this guy i've known him my whole life and the tones go off some old lady stubs her toe. getting the unit shut up we gotta go you don't process it. We didn't have time to process it. And in that moment, I learned, hey, this is what the job is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has to be that. Right. Not a busy system, when we're getting run down, like I, there are days you're going to have to do it. But in the fire service as a whole, and in, I think in healthcare as a whole, you know, ERs, the nurses that do that, or they're getting their teeth kicked in. And it's, 99% nonsense. But you don't get a breathe in that 1% of hell. And that's right. not fair.
3: So you you were talking about the stuff that Jeremy uh brought to the department like, "Hey, let's have like a 10-minute after action. Let's let's talk about it. Let's see if we can continue on um uh you keep on saying like, "What else can we do to to bring this to light? What else? Do you guys um, participate in like what would be considered like a big brother program, like a veteran takes on a rookie, and it is your guys's responsibility to make sure that nothing has changed. Like with your, no. with like I think that would help too, like uh, a and, uh, mentorship uh, kind of deal, I kind of like kind a mentorship, a, but I even c- like like a buddy program. I can kind of
0: alleviate yeah, lead um, lead on that and give you the simple answer, Justin.
2: Uh, it happens organically, I think. Well, yeah, so, and it's something I'm actually, I just, so i pretending to go to school because I'm trying to become smarter because I just, I can't be an idiot for the rest of my life. Um, but that's one of the, so uh, New York Fire Department, that's actually, they have a program for that and it's mm-hmm. required um, where you step in. And there's certain guys on our department um, who do it naturally. Um, there's there's guys, uh, Big Ed, uh, Captain that I work with. There's a guy Incredible he loves people. Guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he will just only hug you. If he'll choke you unconscious. The guy is, but he and he loves to take care of our younger members. Um, and then there's some guys who absolutely hate everybody, and we want to keep them away from people in the general public. Yeah. So right. um, our our assistant chief um, is working on. What what they would call like promotional task books trying to figure that out. And I think it's a part of that that he's he's building mentorship into it, um, so it'll right. become more formal process from our battalion chief level down to the guys who are going to be future leadership. We look at succession planning how do you build your future. And I think that's the key is we have to take what we know or what we knew, and we have to a we got to cover that bridge, the generational gap I never thought I'd be the old guy. Like right. I, I, th- and I think that's oh, another yeah. issue too, is like when I was 21, I hired on the, the minute I was old enough. I got a job. Well, now the guys that have been there for the last 15 years with me still look at me and see a 21 year old kid. Cause I'm goofy. I like to have fun. I'm, I don't like to take anything too seriously. Cause it, I, I would snap, but I'm not 21. I'm, I'm, I'm old. I've, I've yeah. learned a few things. Right. And now I see these kids coming that are 21. I'm like, what the? I get it. I get why you guys hated me. This is right. hard. This right. is like bringing your own children in and being like, all right, hey, it, at noon is nap time. We're going to yeah. have milk and we got to lay you down. So I'm trying to figure that out. But the stepping into mentorship has to become a more formal thing in the fire service, um, right. especially in smaller departments. Um, but then also for our older guys – we got to figure out how to cover the that gap, um, because our, our old battalion chief. Um, when I was twenty-one, like I was just scared of the guy. Um, when I showed up to work, I was like, "Hey, can somebody talk to him?" Because I, the nicest guy in the world. I see him out all the time now, and he is one of the greatest people. I love him. But when I was when I was at work, it was like, uh, "Listen, hey, man." If, was it Bowling League last night? Because I'm not about to even step on this, right? And I, we don't want to have that anymore. Our battalion chiefs now are like 40 years old.
0: Yeah, because that, uh, that would have been before Dad was the uh, assistant chief, right?
2: Well, I mean, my battalion chief, my battalion chief, like three years ago, he was my dude. Um, but um, our battalion chiefs now are like 46, 47. They're younger. Um, but... We are hiring on twenty-one-year-old kids. I mean, these these guys, these guys graduated college before these kids were born. Yeah. There is no connection. I I could have children old enough to do this job. It's terrifying. It would be it be a it be a stretch, Derek, but I could do it, and I know people my age have those so that age kids. So, um, but yeah, that's I'm figuring out mentorship and then figuring out honest conversation. Um, what's what are the statistics? You know, like we talked about, that everybody goes home. I mean, that's, that's everybody goes home. If you go to a firefighter class anywhere in the country, if you guys just want to go drop into one, or you want to be like the A in the class, go in and say the following sentence: My only concern is that everybody goes home. My only and they're gonna be like, that guy right there should be an officer somewhere. Yeah, then he saying, is saying the right thing. And then red stuff on the red well, stuff. Yeah. And my question to all of it is: Is what are we sending home? So what, what happens when I send you home and you're broken? What am I sending home? What am I doing to make sure that what I send home doesn't kill himself? Doesn't hurt his, his kids. What, what are we doing? How can we start to protect each other? How can we start to have a conversation where the macho guys in the room? Like I, like, so 2017, I think, um, we're looking at 103 firefighters killed themselves less than that i think 98 was the number died in the line of duty that's cardiac arrest again 13-ish is about what you have actually running into a fire tearing after it the rest is cardiac arrest due to the stress of the job lack of sleep all the other things that come with this job 140 police officers kill themselves if you look at the normal and they're saying it's 40 under reported so the real number is probably closer to 270 guys and, and men and women are killing themselves in the fire service every year and less than a hundred are dying in the line of duty. So everyone goes home. That's great. Everyone goes home. But what happens when we get them home and what's the conversation like to try to figure this out together? We've got critical incident stress debriefing. We've got CSM. We've got therapy lined up, but, but what are we doing? To to have honest conversations, yeah. to end the macho crap. Yeah. Uh, the IAFF has this center for excellency. Google it, double check it. I appreciate sure where it is. It's it's the only place in the country where a firefighter union member can go and get treatment for PTSD. That's that's geared towards firefighters. Most states, most cities do not recognize PTSD as a workman's comp issue. You guys have talked to people, you guys know these things to be true. And in the military, it's, it's, it's just much of a pain in the butt. So when you have a guy in the fire service has a bad call, has acute or chronic PTSD that builds up, their option is to go to their local counselor who you've you got to a, build rapport with. They may not understand. Or get out to the IFF Center for Excellency when they deal with alcoholism, drugs, and PTSD. Well, to do that, your insurance isn't going to pay for it. So it's $10,000 you're going to drop out of your pocket. I, what about you guys? I don't have $10,000 playing around to go disappear on my family and go to Maryland and spend a week, right? So um, there are organizations out there that that are trying to step into this. Um, Nick Wingo. Look him up on Facebook. He's just back. Um, He has started, and and I I went to, I got to spend time with him at a liminal project, Building Grit. Uh, You guys can check the hat out. I had the opportunity to spend some time with him. His goal is to, he started a nonprofit, is to have the ability to send any firefighter in the country to the IFF Center for Excellence with his money, because he went through it. He went through the bad stuff. Um, and he's got a great story so If you guys can ever connect with him, if you guys we can figure that out, there's a dude who will blow your mind, and he's got the best beard I've ever seen on a on a on a ginger. Um, and and I think he's like a first form legionnaire, so he's a cool dude. Next rung is another organization that is stepping into this for the fire service. Um, I don't really have any contact information. I found him on Facebook and kind of follow them, but. We're seeing that turn of, it's not enough to just have a CISD. It's not enough to have a hot wash. We have to change the culture. We have to change the conversation. Um, You have to surround yourself with better people. Uh, I surrounded myself with some of the worst people in the world uh, because they challenge me every single day. My brother-in-law, Cole, uh, Brandon Luther, who is just the, I hate calling him, but he's he holds me accountable. If you call the guy, I'm like, hey, man, this happened. I'm mad. I want to be angry today. He's like, okay, what's your role in this? He holds me accountable. Worst, worst friend in the world to have because you never get to be mad. You always got to look at yourself. But you got to find guys like that. and You got to find those guys in the fire service. And for me, I've got to figure out how to be that guy in the fire service. I got to figure out how to be that guy in my department. And change the perspective of you're just a 21 year old punk. You're all you're you're a lot of talk, but you're no follow up. You're a lot of whatever. And that's who I am. But still, I love this. I love this stuff, and I love the guys that work. I love men. I love women who are in this service. I love taking them and saying, "Hey, we can do better," and pouring into them. Uh, it, it sounds it sounded terrible. when it was right? Yeah, no, no, it's
0: cool, man. Hey, good fallback. You do out you. Yeah, I seen I seen I seen Brew, I seen Brew losing it. And I knew I had it. I knew I had it. Before I fucking lose my track of thought here, I've got like a spider web of notes here. Um, so I got to start with this one. Uh, earlier, you had said, meant like made mention to injury. And we just listened to this yesterday from Chris, two days ago from Chris now. And he put it in a way that I hadn't really thought about it because he said, well, are you wanting to portray illness or injury? And I was like, well, I mean, injury because it's caused by a trauma. And I was thinking about it in like the technical sense, I guess. And then he's like, He's like, because what we have with like PTSD or with uh, any depression, anxiety, all that stuff, he said, we want it. He's like, it's an injury because he said, you know, the first time that I came across a hole in the ground uh, when I was driving and I came back from uh, Afghanistan, he said, I thought, oh crap. And he said, I swerved away from that hole and you know, damn near flipped my car. He goes, after that, time and time again, I crossed this hole. He said, now I'm at a point where the only reason I'm going to swerve is if somebody's standing in front of my car with a a bazooka shooting around at me and I'm hearing a nuke go off beside me, like that kind of thing. He's like, the thing about an injury, which is what we have, is that we can learn to overcome an injury. You know, an illness, we don't have any control over. We can try our best, but it's always going to have that little bit of, like, kind of, you know, overcoming boundary to it. An injury, we can always overcome. He's like, there's no reason we can't overcome an injury. So I always thought that was really good. I took a lot from that. I thought that was a good perspective. Secondly, you started reflecting on a couple of different things and it reminded me of the military and how we deal with things and I just thought that that was incredible I mean a lot of the stuff that you're saying you deal with really does correlate to the military you know it's suck it up shut up do you're told uh, let's go the next thing but we're constantly learning Um, Mm -hmm. and then you brought up fire suicides this is awesome this refers back to our first episode uh, when we actually did try to dive into those numbers and it was fun that you brought up the fact that there's a 40% difference because I said on that episode I think Gabe made mention of it too and TJ as well that those numbers aren't really that realistic because there's only so much that they can look at and report I mean not every death by suicide is going to get correlated back to the service of said personnel so I just I'm trying to connect all these dots
2: well and Well, and so, and think about that too. So we've, again, we have a small, a small service, but we have had guys retire out and then commit suicide years, years later. Yeah. Is that, that's, that's not going to get tied back to the job. And then how many guys and gals don't want to, don't want to misrepresent. There's incredible women that do these jobs, right? Like we have to respect and they suffer as much as we do, but we see guys drinking themselves to death. Does that get racked up? Is that getting counted on that suicide? End? Because- No, I don't think it does. <laughs> if you go into liver failure, cause you drank too much. It's not going Nobody's camel. going Well, he killed himself. It's not a suicide, it's hey, he had liver failure. Yeah. So there's there's a huge amount of underreporting and there's a huge amount of, we just, we just well, let's put it off the side. We don't have to deal with that. Hmm. Not a, nope, nope. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't happen to us. And I Listen, think with the fire we, service- We got a problem. And police officers,
0: especially. I don't think they ever really sit there. It, it hasn't become mainstream enough to where they're looking into these deaths and going, oh shit, why'd they commit suicide? You know, they're, it's kind of like everyone else, like, not to say everyone else, but, you know, it all gets wrapped in. The military are the only one right now that really get like this limelight of the attention in dealing with suicide because it got marketed well and... Now we're and, sitting there looking at, oh shit, stress causes us. So now we have to start looking yeah. into these other jobs, and that's what we're trying to help prevent too. You know, it has to go that across
2: the board. To yeah. everyone. I think you know, with, with what police officers go through, it, it's hard to compare. I think, and that's another thing we get into trouble with as men, as people in these jobs. Hey, my stuff's bad, but thank God I'm not a cop. Thank goodness I I got 10 points higher on the civil service exam so I could be a firefighter because those guys they've got it rough right and nobody wants to be a cop they're understaffed they're overworked you couldn't you couldn't pay half this country enough to be a cop um, but the minute we do that we minimize our trauma we minimize what happened um, I think one of the numbers in that it's the white paper uh, that has kind of this stuff was in a police officer's career he will see 188 critical incidents those are things that are, those are the things that are going to screw you up that doesn't include the 100,000 little annoying nonsense things that's 188 critical life-altering events in a career in the fire service I, they don't even have a number so I, I couldn't tell you what it is but you're five times more likely to suffer from PTSD in these jobs. So we can't minimize it. Like you said, we we do really good with the military, and because like you said, it's been marketed well. But police and fire, we we have this weird thing where we don't we. A lot of us don't want to overstep the military. We don't want to take that shine away because there's a tremendous amount of respect there. And we like to minimize our stuff because of what we know our men and women in the military see on a daily basis. But if we can all recognize we're kind of doing similar crap together, we're, we're all in service to somebody else, putting it on the line. We just have different trauma, but those traumas still affect us all the same. And We have to stop saying, hey, theirs is worse, so let's get them taken care of first. We need to say, "Hey, we're in this together. Let's take care of each other." And then, when we do that, now the people from the military, when they come out, if they don't have a brother in the in the area, they can go to a fire department and say, "Hey, you guys are struggling?" And you say, "Hey, man, let's help you. Let's get in." Police officers—they got a pretty small community in their in their town. Brandon, you know, he works at the sheriff's department. I think he's by himself. How much? But there's departments of fire departments. There's military members in those communities. We connect everybody and say, hey, we're in this together. We're all fighting the same demons. Let's take care of each other. How do we do that? How does that become the motto of 22 a day or everyone goes home? It's, I don't know. I don't I don't have that kind of outreach. We're going to try to take care of the next
3: i think that's where it starts dude i think that's where it starts is taking care of your brothers that are to the right to the left of you the ones that you're following and the ones that you're leading um it, it it breaks down into the community of firefighters that you fight fires for or with it breaks down to the police officers that police their communities that they're policing taking care of each other uh it breaks down into the community supporting both of those factions And being the good citizens that they need to be and it it, it's a it's a trickle-down effect and it in any society you can you can kind of see where that breakdown happens and that's when the stress of being a firefighter kicks in when the stress of being a police officer kicks in when the stress of being in the military kicks in or these high-stress high-impact jobs really start to take a toll On the individual performing them um so i think the conversation needs to start and the change needs to start like in-house and i like to say this all the time because i'm very guilty of talking about wanting to change things and then being the first person to fall off that wagon so i mean like you can speak it into existence but that only happens so much, and at one at some point, you're going to have to be the change that you want to see happen, right?
1: Yeah. You know what's fucking wild to think about? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: So no, go, dude. Go, go.
1: Go. TJ, you said anything? Say something. So what was mind mind to think about is, you know, how how many years have we had fire departments, police departments, the fucking military, you know, and out, out of all these years of all these people suffering from the same traumatic experiences and having ptsd and everything and we still haven't figured out pretty much anything on how to successfully deal with that you know besides like giving them a bunch of xanax and prozac and turning people into zombies and shit you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah, that's I think what we the, think. the motto the motto of the, the fire it. department is two
2: two hundred years of service unimpeded by change you know we, <laughs> we're not going to change nothing and, right, and I think if anybody knows it, you know, the two things firefighters hate: the way things are and change. But you it can't get what water at it, right? That's just Man. it. Well, you can. There's wedding agents. There's a whole science behind that. It's great. It's super fun. But we're not going to go down that. Road.
1: I was being a smartass. Thanks but, for fucking me over on that one. <laughs> yeah, way to make yeah it. you're welcome, like dude. That's, that's what we're that. here for, baby.
2: When well, you're here with it, like an idiot, like I read these things it's like oh i'm gonna have this stupid thought in my head for no reason yeah we do that pretty often. but yeah that's no. just it we don't change anything we don't address it because it's it's something that we're afraid to we're afraid to say hey we were broken we were right right because what happens we look weak what does weakness lead weakness leads to shame weakness leads to guilt where does that come from why do we have shame and guilt when you make a mistake, you don't want to own up to it because somebody's going to make you look stupid. You, you feel like you're going to get blown up, or we don't hold each other accountable in the right way. We have to change all of it. You have to be able to figure that out. And like you said, need to change. I gotta taste after things different. I can't hold my wife accountable the same way I hold my brothers who work. Accountable. Right. I can't have the same conversation, but I can't. I just I have to have that same out of delicacy at home. The guys that do work. I love them like family. We love each other like family. Why do we why do we treat each other like enemies? Well, because that's the social hard, that's
3: the social norm, dude. It's the social norm right? to act that way, which is a perfect segue to get into um, a previous episode. Shout out to the uh, Do It For Drake episode where you were a, a viewer, a listener, a live mm-hmm. listener, uh, and unfortunately, your questions didn't come through. But this this plays right into that, man. Like, you, it starts with treating situations delicately, being the change you want to be, and actually standing up and being willing to take those take those lickins and take those those verbal abuses, and being like, yeah, say what you need to say, man. But what you're doing is wrong. And I'm not about mm-hmm. it. So you you need to knock it off and leave this person alone, because it's starting to get out of control with with like social media, internet bullying, uh, physical bullying, and, and even adults are bullying children. Like it's 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 absolutely crazy to watch how this is happening and like how it's become a social norm and accepted. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean bull- bullying as a whole. It that's the uh, that's the political <sighs> sphere we live in. And, and yeah. it's going to continue to get worse. Like if if you don't like what you hear, shut them down, bully them too. And that's both sides of the aisle. Um, that's left and right. I don't care who you are. If you think that it's only one way, you're missing because it's going both ways. It's becoming the norm because Twitter works, because social media is what it is. And one of the questions I try to send through you guys is how how do we as parents now address that? When I was a kid, when I was like 15, I got a cell phone because all you could do was text and play Snake, and now my my ten year old daughter can basically get on, she be on Facebook, TikToks, all the InstaFace, SnapGrams, whatever it is, and it never ends. They don't. They don't get it. And then, so if they're getting bullied, bullies can follow them, and you you just gotta be part of the cool crowd. You Gotta be part of that. So they're gonna let those people into their lives. But again. My boy, Con, and he, he introduced me to the holy hell that is social media between kids. We don't even know. We're not even mm-hmm. touching it. No, if, if you okay. as a parent sit sit back and go, my 10-year-old should have Snapchat, you're wrong. You're right. wrong on every single level. and You need to have your head extracted from your rear end. We have to end it because A, the bully doesn't end And then throughout this pandemic and it's two years of being locked in, the best part of your life is put on social media. So when a kid who doesn't have a whole lot sees his buddy who maybe has just a little bit more and all he sees is, hey, we went did this today or I got brand new Jordans or whatever the hell it is. My my cloth mask has glitter on it. I don't even know. They they compare. So they're constantly in a state of feeling like they don't have the same things as their neighbor does. It was bad enough in our generation. 24 7. It's not good. So how do we step in as parents and say, "We're going to get a hold of this. You're not going to be the cool kid at school with a cell phone with TikTok, Snapgrams, all the all the stuff."
3: Yeah, Snapchat. Right. So, like what I've what I've done with my kids is like I've I explain to them all the time. I'm like, "You guys have really good lives. Look around and see everything that you have and everything that you've been provided." Like, is your situation different from? A lot of kids, yeah. Like, your parents are divorced. We, You have two separate homes. But what you guys do have is two parents that still get along. We can be in the same room as each other. We can ride in the same car. We can have conversations. We celebrate your birthdays together as a family, like me and her, and everybody's there, and we all get along. We can laugh. We can joke. There's no fighting. So between me and their mom, we've shown that there is There's a good a good thing there and they have it better than a lot of a lot of broken home children so to speak that's so hey that's that's call that's one broken. of them they're they man they're broken <laughs> they're broken but it can be fixed and it just takes a lot of work but right. the other part is is i'm i always like to emphasize like when they bring up oh hey my friend got this and that and this i'm like hey good for them but you're you're seeing the highlight of their lives you're not seeing their entire life like remember so and so time ago when you got this and they didn't and they probably went home and said hey gunner got this or harper got this or one of my kids got this you know what i mean it's like they're all going through the same thing that you're going through and you don't have to keep up with everybody what you have to do is stay in your lane and do everything that you're capable of doing and being happy with what you have because are there people that have more than you do? Absolutely. But are there people that have less than you do? Absolutely. So be happy with what you have, and don't complain. And the other thing is, is, is what your dad said, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. Uh, anybody that isn't eighteen that you're responsible for that lives under your roof, they don't need privacy. They need they need to be monitored, and they need to they be need taught, care. and they need to. They need to be shown structure and responsibility and how to be a productive member of society and to not be somebody that you release into the world that's going to be a bad person with a bad character who becomes a parent and repeats that process. You know what I mean? I
0: just want you to know that nine-tenths of that was actually Gabe. What Gabe just said, uh, I think Dad's exact words were, kids that age don't need privacy, they need a parent. So he extrapolated a little bit, but,
2: uh, you know. No, and I think when I saw I think that's 100% right. I think that's one of the things that we, and I don't know if it's, again, it's a generation thing. Like, we we ebb and flow through how parents were, and you had, like, parents from the 40s and the 50s, and that's how you end up with the generation of the 60s and free love. And then you end up with the 80s parents who were maybe a little more off your butt. And that's how we ended up where we're at today. Is these people like, "Hey, we need to be hands off because we can't spank our kids and all that crap." Well, you got to do what you got to do. You have to, you have to raise your children. You can't let your mm-hmm. children raise you, and you can't let society raise your kids. Um, it's one of the questions. After I listened to that episode, I looked at that Drake kid and his, his situation. We, we unfortunately, uh, within the last year, had a young child take their own life, um, and it it floors me. Um, I was, I don't know, blessed enough that I wasn't on that call because that's right. one of those you, just, you may not recover from. It. But it changed my whole, like, what What are we doing as parents? What are we doing as society when 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, kids this age, A, have the thought I need to kill myself. What have we done where they've lost so much hope that they're, they're going to hang it up at eight years old and be what are we doing where they can even have the access to the things to do that i don't know because i i had to have a conversation with my daughter like mm-hmm. how do you have that conversation with a 10 year old i don't know but i have to worry about it every single day now and i look at the kids in a class and i look at the kids in fourth grade and third grade and sixth grade and I know shit's hard. I mm-hmm. I vaguely remember that age. But never, never in my wildest dreams was like, well, this isn't gonna get better. That, right. didn't, that didn't cross my mind. But we're seeing like it, it over and over.
3: I think I think the the added factor that's different from us growing up and our children growing up is the majority of the time that I was in trouble, it was because I was out too long, playing in the woods, hiking, riding my bike, uh, down at the basketball court, shooting baskets and didn't come home when the streetlights came on, or got caught up with my friends out doing stuff. We weren't on the internet. We weren't strapped to our phones watching everything in life with other people's lives. We were busy living our lives we were busy building forts, we were busy carving tunnels in the ground and tunneling them because we thought we were going to find treasure because we're idiots. Like we were being little kids and having a great time and doing that. What the difference is is that kids are watching full full-grown people who are celebrities talk to them like this is what you need to do to be liked. This is what you need to do to increase your following. This is what you need to do to become Facebook famous or Instagram famous. Like, and they're, like they're giving out an instruction manual and it's putting all this pressure on regular ass kids that are living in the middle of Nebraska, living in the middle of Utah, coming out of Oklahoma, coming out of Arizona, and it's just not, it's not a feasible thing for every person to have that kind of a life. And when they don't get that. It puts all that stress on them, and like oh, I'm never going to be anything. I'm never going to be. Stri- I'm never going to be successful. And then they start to lose that hope. Before
0: yeah. before I lose my track on this one, this was where I'm going to play uh, Devil's Advocate. Um, I think that that perspective hasn't really changed uh, from our parents to us. And why I say that is because I feel like you know, every generation has to deal with something new. So the technology is always growing. It's always changing. Our parents probably looked at how they were raising us the same way as we're looking at the current generation now, because, you know, just from our generation, you're looking at going from having, you know, you go out and work the fields to, well, now we have TV, uh, we have radio, we have all this new stuff. And as that's getting it Introduced into our worlds, we're sitting there and going, Well, crap, this is a new social deal. So, radio was a social media for their time, the TV was a social media. I feel like our parents were probably saying the same stuff where they're like, How do I deal with this? We've got all these new random strangers telling our kids how to live life and what is successful and what the correct way to live life is. I feel like that's probably always been a thing and it was probably like that, you know, the generations before that where it was a newspaper and then you have smoke signals, whatever. You've got somebody else that's always reaching into our lives and trying to say, hey, this is how you do it. So... I think our problems aren't that much different than the previous generations and I think that the best way we could help ourselves is by learning from what our parents did and what I mean by that is just that you know they were trying if we take the values that they have and we focus on those as well I think we'd be doing well by that just because like you just said we got encouraged to go outside and have a life and do things and yeah it's changed now so we have to learn how to deal with it with the changes but a lot of the stuff that our parents tried to instill into us the core value is the same and i think if we would stick to that and if every generation would actually kind of like focus on those small things because it's just a topic and it's not the minute things I think it would do us a lot of good just to be able to sit there and learn off what we've already been taught and i think we suck at doing
2: that so and and you guys correct me if i'm wrong here you're i think you're you're right and i think that but that's that's the question it's the question our parents ask and it's the question that that we have to answer beforehand because tv um, I, I can distinctly remember, you know, hey, don't sit too close to it. You're going to go blind. Yeah. Uh, we don't want certain shows. I'm <laughs> uh, pretty sure it was like The Simpsons and maybe when South Park came out, like, you can't, yes. your kids can't <laughs> learn their values from these shows. Good God, please. But now as an adult, I'm like, actually, South Park's so where I'd like my kids to learn values because they learn how to make fun of all of it. Yeah. So we get a crap on everything. Yeah. But the difference is, is the TV and the radio weren't the bully from down the street. Right. They weren't the kids who made you feel small at school and then would never take their foot off the gas when you got home. And I don't know if that's always the situation, but I do know what happened. So the the question is, and the question we dealt with growing up, is, hey, did you, do you have the new PlayStation? Do you have the new Reebok pump? Do you have the new coolest thing? And with kids now, it's pretty simple. What's the coolest thing? I need the Apple 42 or... The Samsung guy, I don't know what phone we like on. Mine's still old. Um, I worked with a guy who's still got a flip phone that doesn't do anything but text, and I think he's got life figured out. I'll be 100% honest with you. That man is doing better than Hey, you us. don't he's talk happy. about him that I guarantee him way. Guarantee it. I love it. he just got he got his first email address. That's crazy. It's 2022. He's never had an email address. Wow. What a lucky human being. Especially. So how do we at our stuff. kids, though? And, and we struggle because our kids want to be cool. Hey, man, there's kids in my daughter's class. They got cell phones. Mm -hmm. What do they do when they have their cell phones? I don't know. Those are... They they stop interacting. So are are we... We're mid-30s now.
1: Yeah.
2: So Let's just say mid-30s. Are you going to be willing to, to be the parent who's a dick? Who says, no, you don't need that shit. When you're 16... You're going to get a phone that can text, and ma- I can make sure you get your butt home. And then the other thing is, how much fear is it instilled? I don't Like, I still will let my kids go run out in the yard, because I don't think they're going to get kidnapped. But all we see on social media and the news is, hey, man, the kids go outside. They're gone. Somebody's going to smash them up.
0: <laughs> I, live in a, I, mean, I live in a metropolitan so, area-ish,
2: and I'm like, yeah, whatever, just you're a redneck you, yeah. in in a big city. Like you're not doing good, but gave it like we used to go out. What times you go home? Eh, when the streetlights came on, maybe. Yeah. And that's you being lucky, you especially were, you, 90% for ninety percent of the time you were safe.
0: Yeah, we had a park right, right but, next to us because we uh, didn't have the exposure to God, this is what all's going on because it was still happening then.
2: Exactly. But we didn't so, have that exposure. Changed. It's just it's it's just we see it more. And it and so how do we pull our kids out of that? How do we how do we get our kids out of the metaverse and into actual life where they can see their worth? And how do you pour into your kids? What What is it you do every single day to make sure your kids' value and worth and esteem doesn't come from the outside world? What message are you sending every single day to your kids so they know that their worth is 100% based in who they are and not what the outside world says?
3: Right. Right. There's a there's a lot that we can ask and we can question and we can try to fix, but um, at a certain point you have to understand and accept that your home and within your home and possibly really close friends and other family members is the extent of your reach when it comes to mm-hmm. societal changes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you want to change the
2: world? you got to start at home.
3: Well, that's the thing, and that's that goes back to what I said earlier, man. Be the change you want to be in the world. Like,
2: yeah,
3: it what? is the whole the whole idea of you know hitting that hitting the that Gandhi level. You know, be the change you want to see. You know what I mean? Like, instead yeah. of violence, I offer you a cup of love. You know what I mean? Like, was Gandhi yeah. that
0: great though? Was he really that peaceful?
1: I don't know
3: i don't know dude was but he, he yeah, that peaceful no, his not. whole life or did he have a divine intervention at some point you know what yeah, i mean yeah, he
1: how much ass do you have to kick to get that peaceful you know yeah I hey, think, dude. Uh, bill murray kind of walked us through it man google it
2: google it google, it,
3: google, it. google, it, google it. <laughs> oh
0: yeah or like the great Dalai <laughs> Lama, yeah, yeah.
2: he said he'd uh do my uh eulogy. i just when I, when I when i when i'm on my deathbed i'll have a nice peace so i've got that going me. Yeah, so I got like, I ahead. mean, that's just I love the people around you. Love your kids, man. Like, but, but we have to, we have to be the ones to put our kids self worth in them. And like you said, your kids don't deserve privacy because what happens on the cell phones, what happens on social media, there's levels to it, man. Like, Snapchat's top level, and then there's 16 levels of Snapchat that I didn't know existed that can exist, and you have you have to be in it. It's scary. You'll probably get in trouble. You're probably gonna have your kid pissed off at you, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a kid who hated his parents for like the right reasons. Like, if if you beat your kid on a regular basis and punch them in the face, and, you know, abuse them, they hate you. They might they're gonna have trauma. But for the people that we grew up with, people that we know, like if you hated your parents because they just were always involved. They always wanted you to be successful. They were, they were making sure you did your homework. They were making sure you were involved in the sports. They were making sure that you weren't doing stupid stuff. Those kids have a better shot, right? Like they—that's what we need to do again. We can't step back. We can't. We can't abdicate our roles as parents and let the world raise our kids. And we're going to screw it up. And we have to be okay with that.
3: Right. And with that being said gonna start to wind down here um we want to thank Justin for taking the time out to hop on here and talk to us about his life his career and his coping mechanisms we'd like to thank him for giving us more resources to reach out to for um programs out there that help the firefighter and EMS community um for all you listeners out there that think that you could benefit from those programs um with that being said, Justin, uh, with uh with everything that we talked about, uh, let's get a get a takeaway.
2: Right. So, I was told by a guy, Steve Dawkins. That here's another. Here's another guy. You guys that are military. He's former military. One of the things he told me was when when he's dealing with his stuff was I don't want four or five years of my life to dictate the rest of it. Like that was he he's he knows his trauma, but he's, he's stepping out of it. He's doing great things but he, he he really is Terry. but he said before you leave the podcast make sure you tell a happy story so um, i wanted to make sure i got a good story in here and this is the story he kind of told me because we have to know there's still a lot of good in the world so um december 10th of last year we had the uh, tornadoes go through kentucky right and we all know uh there was the candle factory that was hit there was a guy Um, Graves County inmate Marco Sanchez this guy deserves all the credit in the world Um, he was he's an inmate in a prison Mm -hmm. and Corrado comes through blows the whole prison up he was out working um, at this candle factory I guess and he could have escaped he this is his moment I can go he ended up spending the night um, taking people out of this collapsed candle factory and then um, when he went back he hitched a ride and went back to where he was supposed to go back to jail and said, the jail's gone. And he could have, again, could have bailed, but he did something incredible. He went and found a police officer, turned himself in, said, hey, I'm an inmate. My jail's gone. This is what I've done. I need to care. And he went and turned himself, went back to jail. So even in the worst the worst kind of people, those things we see, there's great people out there. When given the opportunity, they step up and, wherever you're at in that story be that guy be the person to step in and do something good if you see somebody hurting if you see somebody who just needs a little bit step into it because right now we've got all this stuff with ukraine and russia and the world always feels like it's collapsed you are watching the news pull your head out of it if you're watching facebook pull your head out of it um there's too much good in the world you're needed uh, for for all the people who are struggling right now um, these guys can be connected with me um like I said, uh, Building Grit. Check check out Nick Wingo, what he's doing. I know he's out on Facebook. He's on social media. Next Rung, uh, they're doing great things. Take care of the men and women who take care of you. And then connect with good people. Uh, love each other different and be willing to have a hard conversation. Uh, liminalworks.com, Crucible Project. There's so many things out there that are resources for us to use. Chase after them. Figure out what it is you need. And if you don't know, find find one of these resources and I can guarantee you guys like Chris Mosier, guys like Cole Willard um, Jeremy Condon me, uh, these three guys there's people out there who may not have the answers but they're going to do everything they can um, they're going to love you love your families and just take care of each other
3: alright uh, thanks uh, TJ give me some takeaways
1: man just be a better fucking person you know what I mean <laughs> like Help your friends out and shit. Like, they come to you and say, like, damn, that sucked. Be like, yeah, that did suck. Like, how are you feeling about it? Don't be like, oh, don't be a bitch, you know? Just just do better. That's that's what I've got. Awesome. Derek, what do you got for me, boss? All right, so I'm just going to add on to
0: Justin's little uh, spiel there with the uh, promotions. Uh, guys, the Local 831s also on Facebook. Hit them up. Like them as well. You can listen into and see North Platte's greatest things. Uh, hey, kiddo, on Justin's side, love you. Oh, hey, Cam. Derek says hi. Love you, Cam. Peek <laughs> hey, in. Say hey on. He said, uh, love you. Say hey on the podcast. Here,
2: he said, "Come say hi on the podcast before you go to bed."
0: Hey, Cam. Bam. Hello. That's my niece. She's <laughs> the <laughs> most amazing. <laughs> Thing on Earth, uh, as well as my daughters and sons, and everyone else here, kids and sons. Uh, but no, so I wanted to hit that up, say that, uh, like Justin said, hit up those links that he shared. Uh, we're gonna add those into the information side of the podcast here. Um, my takeaway from this whole thing is just like TJ had said, be a good person. Justin had said um, there's a lot of things that we aren't in control of, and there's resource out there and he hit up some great resources like he said we went to uh, men's group and we did a lot of tough things together it was crucible before and now it's the new link that Justin said and we'll hit them up and share them in this as well it taught us a lot of resources and a lot of things to be a better person so uh, we hope to share that and I've been trying to start sharing that um, as we've gone here but It's just been amazing. We're going to have more time to talk to Justin and we'll get more input from him as we go here. Um, Like he said, this Ukraine and Russia deal, it's taken up a lot of everyone's time. It seems to be a trend where there's a current event that sucks anymore, but you know, this is a good time. We get to share good times, good memories, and just try to be positive. So tomorrow when you wake up, even if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, go to bed. Wake up, try it again. And keep doing that until you're feeling like you're doing the right thing that day. And just be a better person. So that's my takeaway from it. I think we have a lot to build on and grow on from here. Can't wait till we do this
2: again. Before before Gabe goes, I wanna say one and this is out there, it's just my favorite quote in the world. So you guys write it down. Um, Yesterday, when today was tomorrow, it was too much day for today. <laughs> like so it. don't worry about tomorrow. That's Winnie the Pooh. God, it's a great movie. Check him out. He's a really good guy. <laughs> but but guys, don't oh, don't get caught up with tomorrow's problems.
0: Problem.
2: Take, take care of today. And I, th- you know, like you said, man, tomorrow sucks already. There's too much out there. It's too much for today let alone tomorrow. take care today and enjoy your life. Sorry, Ru, go ahead, man.
3: Uh, you're good. We're good. We love all the input in the world. So I'm just going to close this out by saying, be the change you want to see in the world. Be, be better people do everything that you can to learn sign language. So this gets easier for me. Uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, call of action. I was getting to it, brother. Uh, We need you guys to uh, like and follow us on all of your streaming services. Follow us on YouTube, um, leave reviews, share us, and hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, um, any, any type of media. We're there pretty much. So hit us up, follow us, like us, engage with us, and have a good time. We will do our best to get to everything. Um, Our communities are growing on on all the social media, so if you don't get one of us, you'll get somebody to interact with you and it's a good time. Um, Next week, we will be talking with my ex-wife, Katie Clark, and we will get into another episode where we talk about what it's like to live with a veteran who struggles with mental health and what happens when the mental health is too much for the other person and it doesn't work out, but it does work out after it doesn't work out. Um, so tune in, (laughs) so tune in for that one. With that being said, as always, we love all of our listeners. We love you guys and we'll see you on the next one.